Welcome to Question Mark, the podcast. Exploring the greatest story ever told with open minds and open hearts. We light it up, we won't come down. And the sun can't stop us now. Watching it come true, it's taking over you. This is the greatest show, where it's covered in all the colored lights. And the runaways are on in the night. Impossible comes true, it's taking over you. This is the greatest show. Well, welcome everybody to the next episode of question mark the podcast and i'm stefan smart i'm a film actor and i'm a former school teacher and i absolutely love this gospel that we're studying mark's gospel and today i'm ever so glad that i've got my good friend and pastor billy kennedy with me Uh, billy and i go way back but before i ask him to introduce himself let me say a little bit about this podcast as I've said already, it's a robustious, no holds barred conversation in answer to questions about this amazing story. If you like it, please do follow or subscribe and let others know about it because the more they know, the more they get to hear these amazing, uh, these amazing thoughts and insights, hopefully that we'll come up with today. So uh, without further ado, Billy, welcome. Thank you so much for being a, a guest on this podcast. I know you're one of the busiest people I know, um, but I'm grateful, very grateful that you've, you've taken a, a few moments of your time just to be with me this afternoon. And uh, I'm not going to introduce you, Billy, because I find it I find it too difficult. I'd fail absolutely to get everything in, in place. So what I'm going to do is ask you to say a little bit about yourself, if you don't mind, and then perhaps say, a little bit about how you know me. Yeah, okay, so I'm uh, Billy Kennedy. Uh, as Steph said, I've been part of the New Community Church since 1982, so almost 40 years. I've served in all sorts of capacities as a children's worker, the evangelist, the youth worker, leading one of the congregations at one point, and then 2001 2 took, took on the role as the senior leader of the church. Um, in 2009, I took on the role with my wife, Caroline, to lead the pioneer network of churches here in the UK. And then three years ago, handed on that network to Ness Wilson. And I took on a role uh, of uh, pioneer international leader, coaching and mentoring uh, emerging apostolic leaders in about 12 different nations um, across the globe. So. That's what I do. I've served as a president of Churches Together in England for four years. I'm, I'm, a, I'm an honorary ecumenical canon at Winchester Cathedral. Um, I'm, a, I'm a cook and a beekeeper, among other things. And so uh, a, a, a husband, father, grandfather, which is just the best. So uh, that's who I am. What a rich life you need. <laughs> I um, and how, how do you know me? What, where did we come across each other. Obviously, we've probably known each other for almost almost those 40 years. I think in the mid-80s, we first met, I think when you you got saved. Uh, I can remember your conversion um, with with your, you know, Jabez pain and smarting um, comments. So if you haven't explained that, then maybe you can explain it on the podcast at some point. Yeah, yeah. And um, obviously, we did a lot of work together in those early days out on the streets. You were you were performing even back then, weren't you? 
I was actually. Uh, so, so that I don't was, know if you remember, I had these trousers, which were stripy red trousers. And they were yeah, I remember those. <laughs> I remember them, yeah. So, and obviously we've journeyed together over all these years. You've served as my spiritual director for a while. Our children are similar ages. And so, you know, we've, we've gone through those growing pains together and um, we've, we've spent a lot of time together with your family, our family. And so uh, it's great that we're still, we're, we're still friends after all this time, Steph. Lovely, thank you, Billy. It is amazing that uh, we, we are friends and I'm so grateful for all that you've done for me. Many, many wise thoughts and encouragements that you've given me. In fact, you, uh, I have to explain to the listeners, you were the instigator in many ways of I Am Mark because without yeah. you saying, come on, Steph, you can do that. That sounds great. Um, I wouldn't have done it, <laughs> probably. So, you know, you, you, you had a major impact, so thanks. Um, so today, though, we, we've got a job to do, haven't we? And, and yeah, I think yeah. for me personally, it's a, it's a real pleasure to do this. Uh, we're looking at a key passage in, in, mm. in the story um, from Mark chapter 2, verses 1 to 12. So if you are watching this on YouTube, what you get in, a few, in the next few moments is a clip from the film version, I Am Mark, um, by C-Max TV. If you're listening to it on the podcast, my friend Lucy is going to be reading the passage for us. Mark chapter 2, verses 1 to 12, New International Version, Jesus forgives and heals a paralysed man. A few days later, when Jesus again entered Capernaum, the people heard that he had come home. They gathered in such large numbers that there was no room left, not even outside the door, and he preached the word to them. Some men came, bringing to him a paralysed man, carried by four of them. Since they could not get him to Jesus because of the crowd, they made an opening in the roof above Jesus by digging through it and then lowered the mat the man was lying on. When Jesus saw their faith, he said to the paralysed man, Son, your sins are forgiven. Now some teachers of the law were sitting there, thinking to themselves, Why does this fellow talk like that? He's blaspheming. Who can forgive sins but God alone? Immediately, Jesus knew in his spirit that this was what they were thinking in their hearts. And he said to them, Why are you thinking these things? Which is easier? To say to this paralysed man, your sins are forgiven. Or to say, get up, take your mat and walk. But I want you to know that the Son of Man has authority on earth to forgive sins. So he said to the man, I tell you, get up, take your mat and go home. He got up, took his mat and walked out in full view of them all. This amazed everyone. And they praised God, saying, we have never seen anything like this. So, Billy, there it is. Um, I, I think the best thing to do, perhaps, is to ask you initially what your first impressions are before we get to hearing some questions that commonly come up about this passage. Well, I think like in any scripture, there are layers, aren't there? And so you've got the story which can just be taken you know for those 11 verses or so but i think as well within that story you've also got um almost like the whole gospel summarized you know christ teaching healing being challenged suffering 
you know, within those 11 verses. Wow. Yeah. Uh, you've also then got the whole, whole picture of, um, you know, taking it to a deeper level or a personal level uh, of, of, of maybe that's like us, is that we're all paralyzed, yeah. you know, and so therefore I can personalize it into, to, um, to that level as well. So, you know, without Christ's forgiveness and healing, the person I was meant to be is, is stunted. And, and so I suppose that's when I read it and personalized it, what it meant to me, to me. So, so I, I, I just say, um, I think there are those different layers, which I think in, in all scripture, yeah. we, we do explore, don't we? There's the, there's the actual narrative. There's the meaning in the context of the text, in the context of the, bigger story within a gospel say here yeah and then there's it's how i seek to apply it and and and, and you know put myself into the picture yeah. and um and seek to be seek for the for the holy spirit to bring revelation to me as to what that it means for me to apply that in my life today so i, I think that's probably yeah. some summary of those verses I mean, I think for those who've never kind of read this story before, haven't maybe picked up a Bible in, in many years, for me, what you've said really underlines the reason why the Bible is so unique. It's so mm. special. It's just mm. that way in which it can grab so many parts of our feeling and thinking and yeah. our understanding yeah. all at once. Yeah. <laughs> it's amazing. Exactly, exactly. And which is why, you know, you 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 buy a book you read a book you put it down you may not pick it pick it up again whereas the bible people like us are into it daily you know um where we we talk about it in church weekly and so i i do think that there's 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 so much depth and you peel back and you peel back and you peel back and there's and there's and there's, and there's more insight and more revelation that comes and as you also maybe get into more of the academic side, you begin to understand some of the complexities of the type of literature and the words that are used and the original meaning. And, and so I suppose it, it, it is a book that you can continue to go over and over and over again. So it is unique, as you say. That's brilliant. Well, thanks, Billy. I mean, hopefully that will encourage us to continue to read. <laughs> I just... Yes. Um, It'd be great, though, to look at some of the questions that have come in and ones that yeah, I think yeah. commonly come up when I do my, my own um, drama work. Um, I think one of the things that really occurred to me, to be honest, and really be interested in your, your thoughts, it's, it's, uh, initially when you read it, there are some, it, it feels fairly straightforward, but then you begin to think it and think, actually, that's a bit weird, that's a bit strange. One of them, one of the things that... I've kind of missed in the past is this reference to Jesus preaching the word to them. I mean, that is a very odd phrase. Um, it doesn't say he preached a sermon. He doesn't, it doesn't say what particular words he used. It's the word. And um, I, I know that's come up in conversations with others when they've seen the performance. What, yeah. what, do, you think, what do you think that's all about? Well, Jesus has has returned to his hometown, and and some commentators say he's in his own house, which does then impact how the story unfolds. Yeah. So, so then he's preaching the word, as you say. Well, earlier on in Mark one, you probably covered this uh, in in previous uh, 
podcast, but, you know, it said from that time on, he began to teach, repent, the kingdom of God is, is near. And so we get a sense of uh, what Jesus teaching was about, you know, it was about a, a, a proclamation and an, an announcement of, of this kingdom that of this kingdom of heaven. And so, so I, I presume he's, he's not deviating from, from that, you know, it said elsewhere, I think in Matthew chapter seven, that uh, he wasn't like the other rabbis, but he, he taught as one who had authority. And so there was a, a desire to listen to him yeah. because he carried weight in his words. And so, so I think as I've read that, I would, I've assumed he's continuing on his discourses that you probably read more fully in them. Um, in Matthew's gospel or Luke's gospel, particularly where you yeah. see that, you know, like his teaching on the, on the Sermon on the Mount and, and, and this type of thing. So, yeah. so that, that word, that word, word is the word logos. And so he's, he's unpacking, I think, um, what, what, the, what the kingdom is, what the underlying big idea is, the big story of God is the logos of God, you know, which can be translated idea. So, 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 I think he's 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 doing his kingdom of heaven stuff. I would say that's fascinating. That is fascinating, and yeah, you're right about earlier on in Mark. Maybe Mark doesn't need to repeat the fact of what Jesus is te is teaching. The key yeah. the key ingredient of his teaching is what he mentioned earlier about yeah. repent, um, yeah. believe. The good news, you know, is yeah. here. The kingdom of God is is at hand. Yeah. Um, I need to ask you though. You know what? It, why is that important? <laughs> What's it all mean? Um, I, and just before I ask you to answer that, I think the other thing perhaps to be said here is the guys who are watching him say these things. They're not necessarily wanting to hear him preach, I reckon, because they've probably heard all about his miracles and he performed loads of miracles in Capernaum before. So once he's back in town, they're thinking, oh, great, more miracles. And they're crowding in to see it. Um, I've been watching the Netflix film, The Messiah, recently again. Right. And it's right. similarly, you know, it's amazing how people kind of crowd around someone who can do these amazing things. Um, mm -hmm. But in this case, Mark's keen to point out that Jesus is preaching, that his main purpose yeah. isn't yeah. healing as such, it's actually teaching. But going, going back to this word business, why is this word so important? This particular well, word? Well, I think that he, he, you know, I, I might disagree with you, actually. I, I, I do want well, for some people, they have been anticipating the coming Messiah. And so this is very much for these Jewish people. They're, they are waiting for the one who will come and rescue them. And then this, this person arrives on the scene and, and his words have have authority and and i think there's an anticipation he could be the one so the 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 miracles are are signs towards his 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 authority and i think that for, for a lot of people uh it is the words that they're interested in it is it is the fact that this person could be the one who will deliver Israel from the oppression of the Romans that will lead Israel to 
the fulfillment of God's promises over that nation. And so I think there's a hunger to listen and to hear what it is that he is doing. I think in, in probably as we look at it with 21st century eyes, the miracles seem to be the things that appeal. But I, I do think for, for, for some of these Jewish people, it, it was more hope. The hope they'd held on to for years was about to be realized. You mentioned about what they were hoping for really, really persuasively. How is that hope, which they held a long time ago, relevant for us today? Well, I think what they didn't anticipate, uh, which has, you know, was that this promise of fulfillment of the coming Messiah to bring about the kingdom of heaven was not just for Israel. Right. But we see it was for the nations. And I think throughout the Old Testament, you see God leading his people in that in that general direction, that it that it that it was for the whole world, not just for a small nation. So so I think that's when Jesus comes along in, in fulfillment to the Jewish promises, but expanding and extending the scope of God's blessing, the the the, uh, the makeup of the people of God to Gentiles as well as to Jews, and so I think I think that's why it's important for us because it was not just a Jewish thing; it it, it was broader than that. But in this context, at this time, the people were anticipating the hero, the freedom bringer for Israel, but 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 failed to recognize it him. Right. The, the kingdom he's talking about isn't one of conquests and no, military no. victory. It's a God's kind of rule breaking into the yes. world experience, isn't it? About yeah, 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 love yeah. And peace and justice and making things right. I guess for me, when I think about the relevance of this all, I look at the world right now and it's in a, in, in many ways, there's so many beautiful, wonderful things going on. At the same time, it's in a sorry state. And yeah. we find ourselves, you know, in a place where there is real fear and uncertainty, isn't there? But God's promise is, I'm, I'm, I'm here. I'm, I'm, I came in Jesus yes. and I'm making everything new. And there's going to be something new in place at one Yes, time. exactly, exactly. Well, see, even in this, in this chapter, we see the first time that Jesus refers to himself as son of man. I, I know we haven't quite gone to the story yet, yeah, yeah. but um, which I'm jumping around a little, a little bit. Yeah. Now, now, now that ex that that expression, "Son of Man," um, it Jesus only ever it's it's only ever used for Jesus to refer about himself. No one else calls him that, and it could just be like man. It could, it, it could just mean human being, but it is clearly referring back to that portion of scripture in uh, Daniel chapter seven. Where, where Daniel has a dream and he sees one like the son of man who has been given all authority, glory, power, and, and, and all peoples and a woman of every language are worshiping him and his dominion is an everlasting dominion that will not pass away for his kingdom is one that will never be destroyed. And so there is this sense of the coming Messiah, this, this, this one like the son of man, and this expression that is used back then, is for the whole world it's 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 the coming kingdom where god's rule and god's reign will be extended 
from Christ through the church, through his people, into every sphere of society, into every nation, every language group, and every tribe. And so I think I mean, this is where this story is going. Uh, and, and this reference to this, this, this specific phrase really highlights that uh, for, for me. And yeah. it's, it's the first time that, that, that Mark uses it. I think he uses it another, another 13 or 14 times as well. Yeah. Um, throughout the throughout the um, at the gospel, it's amazing. Little words like that can have this huge weight of meaning, yeah. can't they? And yeah. it's a it's a powerful theological point that Mark is making in reiterating yeah. it. Um, yeah. Yeah. Brilliant. Let's get on with some of the other questions that have come up. Um, okay. So, um, what what's this to do? You know, Jesus looks at the the the, the people who bring in this paralyzed man. And he sees their faith. And as you know, as when he does that, he obviously receives the paralyzed man, you know, well and does something helpful for him. What is it, yeah. what is it that he's seeing exactly? That's a question I think I'm wondering. Well, clearly it's the, you know, from my perspective, it's their determination to get the man to Jesus. And so a crowded house, they got up onto the roof. Obviously, those days the roofs were flat. You know, they take some tiles off, they lower them down. And so I just think it's 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 the persistence, which I think he sees. Now, if it's his house, I think that that, 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 that to me throws an interesting slant on the next bit of the story. You know, because is he saying to the man, the sin of you ruining my my roof is is forgiven? You know, that that could be, that could be yeah. um, what the forgiveness is. Um Obviously, the, those in the room thought it was more than that, um, and so, so, so I, I just think he saw their perseverance yes. and their, yes. the, their determination to get the man to Jesus. Um, so, so that's why I, faith, faith therefore looked looked like something. And I think that's what they, they, I, I love that is that perseverance. I mean, they were prepared to get through any obstacle, weren't they, to get to yeah. Jesus? I think yeah. for me, I don't know how you feel, but it really does. It really kind of challenges me uh, when we come to think about praying <laughs> and how sometimes I can give up so easily when it comes to asking God for things. But actually yeah. what's yeah. what's being suggested here, Jesus is actually thrilled <laughs> with this yeah. incredibly um, kind of determined attitude that they, they, they've exhibited. They're not prepared to give yeah. up at all, uh, get, yeah. don't do anything to get this yeah. man looked at um yeah yeah and, and you know there, there, there are there are a few times in the in the gospels where jesus commands people for their faith yeah uh, and 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 also on on occasions he he had a nickname for his disciples which was oh you of little faith <laughs> so 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 i think that you know he could he could see it seems to me were people's actions demonstrated what you know what they believed could happen when they got close to Jesus and so I think about the woman who had the issue of blood you know it said your faith has healed you you know Jesus saw her determination to get through the crowd yeah. but at other times he said to his disciples oh you of little faith or I think it's 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 you know, translated somewhere uh, oh little faiths it was almost like their their nickname and it was a bit of a term term of 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 jest and 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 endearment, yeah. um, slightly mocking their lack of faith. You know, I think when they were in the boats and the waves were 
raging. So, so um, you know, what's what's our conf- where's our confidence? I think is is uh, is what it shows. It's, it's that sense of perseverance and confidence that God is good. That He will do what He said He'll do. Um, he is all powerful, and we believe we we believe that we have we have that ability to to hold on therefore and, and give us confidence. And he's looking for it. That's what I like about this story in a way. He's actually, I mean, elsewhere in the Bible, it says, you know, God's pleased by our faith and yeah. our confidence in him. He's actually looking for that. In, in yeah, him. yeah, yeah. Which is exciting. Thanks. Yeah. It's really helpful. Um, so one of the things that, you know, come up, comes up here when when we look at this passage often when 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 I've done it in performance and when I've talked to people about it is you know this this stuff about Jesus saying to the man something quite unexpected he he doesn't say well he doesn't do what I guess his friends want him to do which is to heal him not immediately anyway yeah yeah son your sins are forgiven is is what he says and there's for me it's full of problems and questions um such as why call him son uh it's not that jesus is his father obviously is he calling him son because he's a rabbi and that's how they used to address people or is there something else going on here and then why say your sins are forgiven what's that all about have you got any thoughts for our listeners about those things well, the Greek word there is technon for son, which, which is it's a more commonly translated child in the New Testament. Right. Um, I, I, I think it's a term of endearment. Um, I, I don't think it's any more complex than that. I just think it's like if you're if you're from Nottingham, it's everyone's duck, you know, all right, duck. Or if, if, if you're in Scotland, it's like wee man. Okay, okay, wee man. You know, and so I think it feels to me like it's it's okay, nipper. Okay, wee man. Oh, okay duck it's like it's it's a term of endearment um your sins are forgiven again it if it was his house it could be he was he was just saying listen mate that's you know that's no problem what you've just done to my roof okay that 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 that's that's that that's forgiven however the the people in the room saw it as more than that didn't they so so i think that when he then refers himself as the son of man, I think if you look through those references to the to the son of man, it generally has got to do with his authority, his suffering, or the second coming throughout the Gospels. I think it occurs about 80, 80 times. In, in, in Mark chapter 14, Jesus uses it again when he's in front of the of the high priest and when he uses that term and then quotes from Daniel chapter seven, that's when they go, right, blasphemous, he's blasphemed, that we need to get rid of him. So yeah. so I think that it's the first time he's used it, it upsets the people in the room because he's claiming an authority that only God has and can and can give. And he's saying, you know, I know your your sins are forgiven. You, you know, he is. He is making this amazing declaration. Is he saying uh, that God's forgiven them, or is he saying I'm forgiving them? Well, I think I think that this is this is where the people get upset because they say who who can who can forgive but God alone? So he's yeah. saying no no no. I you know I, I think he's saying 
I'm saying to you, your sins are forgiven. Now, Jesus said to his disciples a bit later on, whoever sins you forgive, they are forgiven. And I think there's something powerful about us as followers of Jesus being able to declare over people's sins forgiven. I, I've done it on numerous occasions where I've been able to say to people, just want to you know your sins are forgiven because you, you don't hear the declaration from God necessarily. You know that it's happened, but to have a human being declare that, which is where I think that the more traditional church, the confessional, is, is very much that, where you, you go to another person, you confess your sins, you get declared forgiven. And in the, in the Eucharist services, in the liturgy, they, they make this declaration of sins being forgiven. So, so I do think it's powerful that a human being voices those words. Um, words are very, are very important, I think. So, so I think he, he, is, he is making this declaration to show who who he is and the authority that he has, which is why it upsets the, the teachers and the Pharisees who are in the room. So I, that's, that's fantastic. I hadn't really made that connection with what Jesus says later to his disciples about hmm. giving us authority to, to say those yeah. things. That's yeah. brilliant. They're really helpful. So, I mean, I think that the elephant in the room for me is because <laughs> obviously the priests here or the teachers of the law here do react quite badly to this. Yeah. And, say only God can forgive sins. So is Mark or is Jesus pointing out, I am actually God? Or is Jesus saying, I have got authority to do this? Or is that a distinction we don't even have to worry about? Actually, that there's no difference between the two things. Well, I think, you know, it is interesting that, he, that that's where he uses the expression son of man. Yes. And so in the, in the Daniel passage, it says that he was given authority and so i think he is operating in the authority that he has been given from god yes to proclaim the good news to see captives set free to see blind eyes healed to see lame people walking i think i think for me it's all part of the same kingdom message and demonstration of of the authority that, that Christ had as the sent one from heaven, from God. Brilliant. That's really, that's amazing. And we could ponder on that for forever. That's just an incredible. Mm, mm. Thank you. So another question. Um, Jesus seems to know what the, the teachers of the law are thinking. Uh, he knows in their hearts. Uh, is that just kind of a throwaway comment? Is he picking up their body language, or is it something significant going on? Well, I, th I mean, again, I mean that that sort of expression or that sort of um, that sense of Jesus happens a number of times throughout the gospel, um, where he 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 understood what was going on in the hearts of the people in the room. Mm -hmm. Again, you know, I think that there is an element of human intuition, you know without being blasphemous, I think if you're in a room and you say something, you know how it's landing, don't you? Yeah. You know, you've, 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 been, you've been in classroom for, for long enough to know what's going on with the students. I've, been, I've spoken in churches long enough to know what's going on in a congregation. So I think there is, there is that element of just knowing, you know, like there's, there's a, a silence or a hush comes upon people or, you, you, 
there's a muttering or you just know whether your words are are having an impact or not on what sort of impact they're having you know i've i've noticed if i'm talking to someone and they're not really listening to me i find myself drying up because i know what's going on in their heart so so i think there is that element you know and i think there is spiritual discernment you know i think that again there are times when we just have have clear holy spirit discernment um to 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 know so i I think it's a it's a combination of those of those two things both a very human um, ability and then that that spiritual intuition or or discernment that 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 jesus clearly as one filled with the holy spirit was able to operate in yeah i love the way you're describing jesus what's what's coming through to me is how you're making a link between jesus's presentation here and who we are as disciples. We, we talked earlier about forgiveness, and now you're talking about spiritual discernment, that yeah, yeah. in many ways you're kind of, I would argue, underlining Jesus's humanity, not necessarily forgetting his divinity at all, but actually you're underlining yeah. his humanity, his, 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 servant, his servant's relationship to yes. God the Father, and yes. his authority yes. um, from God the Father which is something that we share, actually, as yes. believers. Yes. Is that, is that how you would see it? Well, well yes, because, you know, to, 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 towards the end of the Gospels, Jesus said to his disciples, you know, I'm giving you all authority. And so he had been given authority from the Father to go and proclaim the good news, the Gospel. Jesus then chose 12, chose 72, you know, and, and said to them, now, now I'm sending, I'm, I'm sending you in exactly the same way that my father sent me. Yeah. And that story continues for 2000 years. And so we, as the followers of Jesus, empowered by the spirit of Jesus, with the authority of Jesus to go into all the world and every part of our community, society, and, and, and see the, his kingdom come into those spheres. And so absolutely. I think if you detach Jesus from the here and now and you know from us then you get into a weird gnosticism of you know jesus i mean jesus is unique of course he is you know because he was truly divine we are not in that same way but we we carry his presence and, and we carry his authority so i think i would always try and relate that to to the here and now and to the influence and impact that has upon who I am and how I operate and how I, how I act. That's so exciting, Billy. And, and, you know, often when I've heard you speak in the past, you come up with something that really grabs the imagination. You take away with you and you think that's just a powerful and so, um, I don't know, it's just peeling back layers of misty uncertainty and what you've just said there has really had that kind of impact on me i'm i'm trusting uh, our listeners are going to be feeling the same that's really helpful thank you I, I you know i've looked at our list of questions here that we've kind of considered and i can't think of any that we haven't really covered which is brilliant because we're well within our time limit which is brilliant but there is there is there is actually one more question here and this is a specific one from my friend and yours steve nichols okay yeah so here it is 
How much should Christians concern themselves with physical healing when Jesus's message was about healing of relationships with God, forgiveness of sins and an eternal life? I'm assuming Steve means that's what the story we've just been reading is, is about essentially. Should Christians not just accept the issues that happen to them and instead focus on how they love and serve God, realizing that what they currently face is small compared to what is promised in an eternal life. I guess, to put it in a nutshell, um, should we be so worked up about our frailty in terms of our bodies and needing healing? Is that what this story about is about, actually? Or is it about something much, much more important about forgiveness of sins and our, and our kind of relationship with God? Yeah, well, listen, I think that um, you can easily sort of detach yourself and have that conversation be objective. But of course, when you are the person who is ill, yeah. you know, when you're the paralyzed man, actually getting out, getting out of that of that bed is a big deal. And so so I think that I would say that, that when I look at the, at the life and the work of Jesus, he he taught, he preached, he healed, he delivered he suffered, he died, he rose again and said to his disciples, now you do the same. So, so I, I think it's important that we don't let go of any aspect of that, that we recognize that we're called to preach, to proclaim, to announce that, that, that Jesus is, is, is the Lord. We're called to pray for those who are sick. There will be suffering. We will die, but there's the hope of resurrection. So I, I think we follow in the same way. And, you know, so obviously as, as you were my wife was diagnosed with breast cancer back in October last year. We've been journeying through that whole treatment, you know, where, where we've submitted ourselves to the doctor's, you know, expertise and professionalism and, and, and you know, chemotherapy. But we are confident that God is the one who ultimately heals. And, and yet we face the fact that that may not happen. And so we live in that tension. But Caroline, she's not afraid to die. You know, she feels very secure in her faith and uh, and that hope of resurrection. She doesn't want to go just yet because she's got three, four, four little grandsons she wants to see grow up and, yeah. um, you know, other things she wants to do with her life. And so she doesn't want to leave people. But we are praying. We're not, some people end up praying and then, if it doesn't happen, get all angry with God and, you know, walk away from faith because they didn't get what they wanted. It's not, it's not like a slot machine yeah. where you put your, your, you know, your pound coin in and an and answer to prayer comes out. So I, I wouldn't say that, you know, we, every day we're not like making declarations of healing over Caroline. We are praying and, and are simply quietly trusting that actually God's will will be done, that will be her, her healing. Now, a number of years ago, I can remember praying for a guy with cancer and he, and he, and, and he died. And so mm. I remember feeling a little bit dejected. I'd felt confident that he was, he was going to get better. Right. But I felt God say to me, um, every prayer we pray for someone with cancer will bring the cure for cancer one step closer. Wow. So it feels to me like there's a, there's a kingdom element of our of our praying, almost like filling up the sort of ball we see in the book of Revelation. 
that, that when I look at the way that cancer is now being treated, I mean, what they're able to do and how they're able to hold, hold back, it is fantastic. And there will come a point when I believe that cancer will be eradicated. Now, I think that that's part of the kingdom's influence in that particular part of medicine. Smallpox no longer is an issue. COVID has been our big issue that is getting dealt with. And so, so I think that as we pray, there is the miraculous, you know, the, the, the instantaneous. Yeah. But I also think there's something about the, the commitment to that long term to see God's kingdom come into every sphere and, and therefore to address the issues that create these diseases that could well be environmental, could well be how we, how we eat, how we treat our bodies. But all of that is about if we live in relationship with God, God will lead us, direct us and bring revelation to us that will help us live better lives and we pray your kingdom come your will be done on earth as it is being done on heaven i think it's all it's all tied up in a in a, in a strange mysterious complex way yeah um so i i i wouldn't want to give up on praying no it's not either or basically it's both yeah. and, and yeah. it's uh, it's held yeah. in attention having said that i do feel kind of i side with with the questioner here to some extent insofar that the passage about healing it happened jesus healed no doubt but within that is it's a richly symbolic episode is it not yeah, that yeah. the man was paralyzed you said this at the beginning the man was paralyzed as we are in so many ways not just yes. physically we're paralyzed and god releases us um and yeah the 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 way uh, the I think the Greek here talks about the man getting up. It, the word used is the same as the one describing Jesus' resurrection. So it's like he yes. gets up to a new life. His sins, yeah. his sins are forgiven. Yes. His moment of new life as well. Yeah, yeah. And I think probably in John's gospel, he does very much talk about the signs, these, these miraculous signs, and they point to something. And so... So I, you know, I, what I do find is that in our Western world is that we don't see a lot of healing, I would say, generally. People will try and promote it and say, oh, this, but, I, but if you look into, into, into more developing nations, pioneering nations, they do seem to have an expectation of the supernatural more than we do in the West. Now, you know, I, we, we met a guy from Kenya a number of years ago who saw people raised from the dead and the result was the whole village came to Christ, the church was established. And so, so I do think in some of those pioneering situations where the, the supernatural seems to be a lot more on the surface, whereas our sort of secular yeah. Western world, we, you know, science is, is, is our God and therefore the supernatural isn't really seen in the same way. I think, I think faith, the faith element in our, in our society is a lot lower i think so there's something about that as well so yeah um, I, I think it's a it's a it's a complex one yeah billy it's been absolutely amazing and i i feel like you've been sitting at your feet and no. uh, <laughs> thank you thank you so much i'm sure our listeners are going to be feeling the same and um bless you i hope you come again and tell us more about well you know i'm 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 open for the open for the offers you know i i i am um, i'm I'm not as busy as, as I think you think I am. <laughs>
<laughs> okay, I'll bear that in mind. Bless you. See you soon, buddy. Thanks again. Thanks, yeah. See you. Bye. If you enjoyed this episode of Question Mark and don't want to miss any future episodes, make sure to click on the subscribe button. This also means other people can find the podcast and join the conversation. We'd also love if you could leave a review so we know what was good and what we can improve for future episodes. Join us and our special guest next time where we'll continue to explore the greatest story ever told together. If you want to get involved with the podcast or have any questions or comments in the meantime, please do get in touch using the I Am Mark social media channels. We'd love to hear from you. We'll light it up, we won't come down And the sun can't stop us now Watching it come true, it's taking over you and This is the greatest show Where it's covered in all the colored lights And the runaways are running the night Impossible comes true, it's taking over you and This is the greatest show